Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 17th of November 2013, entitled Established by His Power, and the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 16, verses 25 to 27. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Father, we thank you again this evening, Lord, that we can have this time to uh, to be gathered together in your house. Thank you for each one that has been able to come out this evening. And now, Lord, we are totally and completely dependent upon you. We pray, Lord, that you would take and, uh, Lord, that you would use your unworthy servant, that you would take and, uh, Lord, bring forth the words here this evening that, the Lord might find a resting place in each heart. You know what each one needs. And we know, Lord, that uh, uh, that your word has the answer to, to every problem, to every struggle. So we pray this evening that all that's said and done would be according to your perfect will, under your power. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You know that I do love the book of Romans. And uh, one of the things, I guess, that, of course, uh, it's I get to, by God's grace, uh, teach uh, Romans 1 and Romans 2. Romans 1, the first eight chapters of Romans, and Romans 2, uh, verse chapters 9 through 16 uh, at the Bible College, and I love it. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I love all of God's Word, uh, but there's probably not a more life-changing book in all of the Word of God uh, than what's there in the book of Romans. Now, as we look here this evening, we find that, of course, this, in verses 25 to 27, is Paul's parting words as he was. He brings this, this letter to a close uh, that he's written to the Christians there at, uh, at Rome. And, uh, and of course, we find that, uh, uh, that as he does this, he has a final parting word now to him. Who's the him? Of course, God himself. To him uh, that is of power to establish you according to the gospel. And he goes on, and that word established there. Now, if you notice back in chapter 1, and in verse 11, uh, I always point out as we begin studying in the book of, of Romans that really chapter 1, verse 11 is the key to what the Apostle Paul, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to do for this church at Rome through the writing of the whole of the book of Romans. Uh, he says in verse 11, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Listen, to the end ye may be established. He wanted these Christians to be established. Uh, that's where he begins when he first begins writing the letter to them, that he wants them to be able to be established. And when he comes to the end of all that he's given them in these 16 chapters of the book of Romans, he finishes again with this great thought here that he wants them to be established according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now, I guess we we think of that word established in a lot of different ways. I mean, if you come to my house and look out back right now, you'd find that we have a very established garden, uh, a lot more established than it, than it ought to be. 
Uh, but when we talk about an established garden, uh, we talk about something that's got plenty of full growth in it. Amen. And, uh, and it's, it's not, uh, it's not in its, uh, in its infancy. Uh, a lot of times we talk about a, a business that is established, an established business, one that is, that has been there, that is secure, that, uh, that's not some fly by night company that's going to, uh, be there today and, and, and gone tomorrow. And of course, we even talk about individuals many times being uh, established. Uh, they might be established in a certain field or established in a certain uh, geographical place or something like that. And, and of course, when we think about this, what is it that the Apostle Paul is trying so much to get across with, with all of this wonderful teaching that is, that is filled in this book that he begins and he closes with this fact that he wants these people, these Christians, this church to be established? Well, the word that's used there that's translated in both places, one place it says established and the other place it says established, but it's the same word and it's a word literally in the Greek that means to make something stable, to place something firmly. It's not on shaky ground, but it's placed there to fix something in place so that it's not going to, to go anywhere. You see, we need to recognize that there's only one way that the church at Rome, the church here at Bethel, and every Christian that's ever been and ever has, there's only one way to be established. And he says here that they might be established, he says, other than by the power of God. Now to him that is of power to establish you, God's the only one that can do it. You know, we can try to be established by men's doctrines and men's churches and men's ways and men's things and all these different things. But in the end, the only way that will ever, ever, ever be established is, is by God himself and by his power because that's the only power that will ever firmly plant us, that will keep us there. We, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't pick the songs this evening. It's amazing some of the songs that you chose couldn't have gone more uh, along with what we're looking at in, in, in God's word this evening. You know, we do have an anchor an anchor that'll hold us fast when the billows roll, when the storms rise, when, when all the false doctrines come along, when, when the world itself begins to, uh, to try to, uh, to come down on us in all the ways that it might. And of course, as we saw this morning, when we were looking at the defense of the church, we saw the fact that uh, our greatest enemy is ourself, our own flesh. We'll give ourselves a whole lot more trouble than anybody else will ever give us anywhere. So I want us to, to just note, first of all, that if, if we're going to be established, then there's only one way that we'll be established, Brother Stephen. That is by the power of God. It's going to take the power of God. It's going to take an act of God. There's no man, there's no church, there's no preacher that's going to be able to establish anybody in the faith. And of course, secondly, notice here that we need to be established in a certain way. Now, to him that is of power to establish you according to... Uh, it's not just being established anyway. God's got to do the establishing, but there's certain ways that we're going to be established. Many times, you know, I enjoyed seeing every one of you this evening. I enjoy the smiles on your face. I enjoy singing the, the, the songs and the hymns. And, and, and so many times, I mean, hopefully those songs are, are bringing us into the presence because we're singing about the Lord. If we're thinking about the words that we're, that we're singing there, I enjoy the fellowship. I enjoy all those things. But folks, that's not really, that's a great, wonderful byproduct of the church. That's not why we're here. That's not our main purpose. And we find that uh, the Apostle Paul was reminding the church at Rome that that was not his great desire. He's let it known in several places in here that he looked forward to see them. He looked forward to the fellowship. He looked forward to, to a lot of exciting things. But his purpose, uh, 
in going to them, his purpose in writing to them was that they might be established by the power of God according to, and he gives us at least three things here that I just want to share with you briefly. If we're going to truly be established, if we're going to be firmly planted, and folks, there are many things that'll try to knock you about and knock me about. They'll try to discourage you. They'll try to make you doubt the things that maybe you one time felt more sure about, but we can be established. I mean, we can be planted firmly, not by what we know, by, by what God knows. First of all, he says here, we're going to be established by God, by God's power. He says, according to my gospel. He makes it pretty, according to my gospel, he said. Why is the apostle Paul referring to it as my gospel? It's not a different gospel. It's the only gospel. It's the only gospel that he knows. You know, he's made it clear time and time and time again in the scriptures that that's what he lives for. That's what he dies for. That's everything to him is preaching the cross, is preaching Jesus Christ. And so we find that the first way that anybody is ever going to be truly established by the power of God is going to be according to the gospel. Now, there's nothing that, that thrills a preacher or a Christian more than the wonderful, glorious privilege of being able to have any kind of a small part in seeing someone come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, that's, that's, that's what makes it worth everything. It makes it worth all the struggles. It makes it worth all the battles and all of those things. You know, even in this small congregation here tonight, you know, there's some of you that I've had the privilege of seeing the excitement in your life when you come to realize the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it became a, a reality for you. We find that one of the great things is not only to see somebody come to Christ, but to see that person that comes to Christ five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, they're still walking with the Lord. They got something that they weren't going to lose. I'm reminded, I guess, of uh, uh, one I don't even remember the name of one uh, a famous evangelist one time that was uh, uh, challenged in one of the great European cities. And uh, he was challenged by one of those uh, uh, evangelists that was there. And he said, sir, do you or do your converts stand? The guy looked at him and he looked back at him. He said, well, do yours? <laughs> uh D.L. Moody once was walking down the street with one of his workers in, uh, I think it was in Chicago that the story is told, and, and as they were walking along, they, they, they saw a drunkard there beside the street. And, I mean, he was just, you know, he was, he was laying there, and he was completely out of it. And, and the worker that was with Moody looked at him, and he said, I'm sure he recognized. He said, he said, isn't that one of your converts from such and such a meeting or whatever? And Mr. Moody looked at him and said, well, it must have been mine because it doesn't look like it was the Lord's. Uh, you know, sometimes we can get people to pray prayers. Uh, we can get people to even get all emotional and shed some tears and all of those things, but only God can save a soul. The only way that anybody's ever genuinely going to be established is going to begin by being established in the gospel. This same Paul, when he was writing to the church at Corinth, those uh, familiar words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you've believed in vain. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, 
how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. There's only one gospel. There's only one way that anybody ever has a chance of truly being established and it's going to begin with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need more church members. We don't need more religious people. We don't need more people. Yes, it's nice to see people doing good things instead of bad things. We need converts, genuine converts that are going to be there when the storms come, that are going to be there five years from now, ten years from now. We've been, we've been looking in our, in our study of the church, and we've been talking about all these. You know, sometimes we kind of just get this idea that it's always going to be because it is. This building may or may not still be here. But the church is only going to be here when there's those committed people that meet within this building that are committed to each other, that are committed to the Lord, that are committed to this gospel because that's the only thing that will ever change anybody's life. We live in a day when so many want to, to find other ways to get to God. You know, I had another, and I, and I don't say this in a, in a nasty way. I had another email coming this week, and and I've been approached several times in in in, in the last few years, and and I know that sometimes they've been well by it, but but you know, I was I was I was asked to meet with another one of the uh, uh, the imams, one of the uh, the Muslim leaders, and and to meet with him to see if we couldn't uh, put together some kind of a community service to show our our togetherness, you know, in 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 the one, the same God. You know, I love the Muslims. And that's been one of our great challenges here at Bethel. God saw fit to change it. This, this is not even the same place that it was 24 years ago when I came here. The community is not the same. It's completely changed. We know that when we're out there on the streets and when we're preaching and when we're passing out those tracks, it's not the same. I love those Muslims, just like Jesus did when he died on the cross for them. But, folks, it's not another way to the same God. There is only one gospel. There is only one gospel that will ever establish anybody in the faith. And there's no other way to get there. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You can't take the Bible and believe the Bible. Believe that there's any other way to get to him. This evening, we need people that are established, that are firmly planted, that aren't going to be blown about when... It's not going to get easier, folks. The devil knows his time is limited. He knows the time is short. But you know what I believe with all my heart? God is still just as powerful as he ever was. God is still in the soul-saving business. God is able to change lives. Yes, we saw this morning, he'll try to discourage us. He'll try to get us to be ineffective. But the simple truth is, God chose to use you and me individuals joined together in a united body to be able to continue his work presenting the gospel. We might get a lot of things wrong around here, especially your pastor. One thing I hope we never, ever, ever get wrong is the gospel of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. You know, Paul said when he was writing uh, back in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The grace of God 
is the only thing that ever saved anybody. And there's only one pathway to get to that grace. That's faith. All them that believe. So this evening, Paul wanted this church to be established. He wanted these Christians to be established. And the only way that they were going to be established was by God, by God's power. And it was going to begin by being established according to the gospel, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, notice what he said to this church at Corinth, beginning in verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. He says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. May I say to you, there's not a human being nor a church anywhere that will ever, ever, ever be established except by God by the power of God, according to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he doesn't stop there. Being established by God and by his power, yes, it begins with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it doesn't end there. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, notice next, he says, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest according to the gospel and according to the revelation of the mystery, he says here. According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. The New Testament speaks of Mysteries that have been opened in a number of places. If I counted correct, my math is usually fairly reasonable. I probably should have had Peter count them. But 
If I count it correct, there's something like 27 times in your New Testament that the Bible talks about these mysteries, mysteries, things that were hid before, but now it's not talking about something spooky. It's talking about something that was hidden, that's been revealed, that's been manifest, that's been been able to, to, to be able to be seen for the first time. Those mysteries include things like the Gospels, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, the rapture of our glorified bodies, the gospel, the church, the mystery of the faith, the mystery of godliness. In Revelation, we've got the mystery of the seven stars and Babylon the great and the mystery of the woman. You see, it's God showing us things, this progressive revelation. He's shown us things by his grace in the new covenant that were hid in times past. But God's chosen them to reveal us to us. Well, in all of this, surely the most common, the greatest mystery ever open to us is God's provision of salvation. God's provision of salvation both to the Jew and to the Gentile we read here. Yes, he had those chosen people. And yes, he's not through with those chosen people. But he showed us that no matter what our background, no matter what our bloodline, no matter where we come from, that this salvation that can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ, the mystery of that great song that we sang this morning of Christ in you. You'll never get your head around that. You'll never come to figure out Jesus Christ living in me. That's what it's all about. That's the power of the Spirit that comes in. We find that when he's talking to us here, the Bible talks about that that hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's our only hope for glory. If there's ever going to be any glorification whatsoever, the mystery of anyone, anyone who will believe and put their faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work of what he's already accomplished for us, the mystery, that mystery of us being through salvation, the the bride of Jesus Christ, that mystery, the body of Jesus Christ in this world right now. You know, we've tried somehow to just get a little bit of a grasp. You know, on on the church, Jesus Christ died for it. It's his body. If this world is going to see Christ, they're going to see him through you and I. That's why he said in, in, in John chapter 14, greater works than these shall you do because I go unto the Father. Because Jesus was going to work through each one of us, not just the one body that he died on the cross, but through each and every one that would put their faith and trust in him. We find that These are mysteries that, boy, it's hard for us to even get a hold of sometimes. So what is he talking about here? I believe that if we note back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, notice what he says here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, 
but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You've heard me say it many times. You know, we've never laid our eyes on anything. We've never heard anything. We've never experienced anything that wasn't tainted by sin. Sin's curse all around us on everything. We've never seen it. We don't, we don't really know what to look. What is something going to look like, sound like, be like when it hasn't had the curse of sin on it? He says you've never seen it. You, think, you can think of the most beautiful things you've ever seen or heard, but it doesn't even compare to what it's going to be like when we get to glory. That's the Lord that we serve. He goes on here. If I can find my place, where did I quit reading at? <laughs> Verse 10, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus. No, by, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. <laughs> That's bigger than me. <laughs> it's bigger than any vocabulary that I even know how to, to, to explain it to you. You know, the truth is, you know, God never encourages ignorance. <laughs> But what he does encourage is that, folks, man's, what we just read there a while ago, man's greatest wisdom is nothing with God. God's foolishness, he said, was bigger than all of man's wisdom. God's weakness is stronger than all of man's strength. You see, if, if, if we're going to be established, we're not going to be knocked about by every wind of doctrine we can stand firm in our Christian faith. And you know, you'll never, ever, ever have that peace, that joy. You'll never, ever, ever be able to really enjoy your Christian life if you're being knocked about and slapped about by everything that comes along. God wants us to be established, to be established in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also to be established according to the revelation of the mystery. <laughs> things that God alone can tell us, the things that God alone can show us, the things that natural man will never understand, the mystery, 
the mystery, the mystery of you, a sinner just like me, being able to call upon the Lord and him just be so willingly to forgive you and to wipe the slate clean and not just to rebuild. I was talking to somebody before the service about, boy, I was glad I had a patient wife because, you know, if I wasn't careful, our house was going to fall down and run our ears before I ever got it redecorated. Some of the stuff hadn't been redecorated in the 24 years that we've lived there, and it, uh, it needs it. You know, God doesn't do redecorating jobs. He doesn't do refurbishment jobs. He only builds new. <laughs> he creates you new. That's part of the mystery that we're talking about here of Christ being in us. There's, there, there's so many things. There's so many passages that we, that we could look at, but I want you to grasp this evening that God wants you to be established. And when you're established, you know, when you're established in something, when you're confident about something, then you can be relaxed. Perfect love casteth out fear. We won't fear anything if we know where we stand and we, we know we sang that song while ago, victory in Jesus. We know the victory's ours. We know the battle's already been won. I know it doesn't feel like it sometimes. I know sometimes it feels like you're just being knocked for a loop. The truth is, there is no way. It is a total, complete, utter impossibility for you to be defeated. Because Jesus already won the victory for you. And he is the one that lives in you. And that's the only way that you'll ever truly be established. And I want to give you one third thing here. You see, he wants us to be established by God, by the power of God, not by man, not by anyone else. And it's going to be according to if you're going to be established, it's going to be according to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's going to be according to the revelation of that same Jesus that died and buried and rose again, living in you and you in him, you, the body of Christ in this world. You see, that's the only way. If you're going to be established by God, by his power, according to what he says, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the mystery of Christ in you. And finally, he goes on to say, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the everlasting God made known to all nations, what? For the obedience of faith. You see, you're being established in the faith. It always comes back to God. It always comes back to God's power. Why do you have the everlasting word that he's talking about here. Why do you have the everlasting God in your life? Because of God's power. How do you know it? Because of God's power to preserve it and give it to you in a book that you can count on. You can live by it. You can die by it. According, he says, by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandments of the everlasting God. And, you know, we could look at everything. I, I kind of like that word, but again, I, I, I really try sometimes, and I know I'm a little bit slow, but I try to get my head around this whole thing of eternity and everlasting. I can remember even as a kid, sometimes I'd, I'd try to think, well, you know, okay, you got the earth, and, and, and you, you go out, out there somewhere, and you got all this, this outer space. And, and, and of course, when you, when you go out to the end of that, you're going to find more and more of the universe. And, 
I posted a thing on, on online the other day about, you know, just, boy, if this don't show you the awesomeness of God, because they're finding that there's hundreds and hundreds of other universes they can see farther than they can ever see out there. And you know what? We're still the only living creatures in all that they can find out there because God chose to put us here on this little spot called earth. Try to get my head. I used to try to think, well, you know, that wall's the finish of this room, but there's got to be something on the other side of that wall. <laughs> and, and, and you go out there, and okay, you've you got a car park, and then there's a fence. But there's got to be what's, what's past that fence. And I try to think, well, you know, that's in eternity. I mean, it's like, you know, well, it never finishes. There's always more. And, you know, that's the life that he gave you. It doesn't have a finishing point anywhere. There's always more. The only way, of course, that you can be assured of that is to be established according to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the mysteries of Christ in you, according to the scriptures that God has given to us. You know, most of us, one of the very first passages that we learn, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. A life without end. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered it once into the holy place, having obtained what we sing about it earth, eternal redemption for us. A redemption word, there's, there's no end. It's impossible to run out. There's no shortage of it. Hebrews 9.15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were made under the First Testament, that which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance, all that God has for you. We, we try to get our head around heaven. You know, we sing about the streets of gold earlier and all those things and you know, when, when, when God tries to describe heaven to us in his word, you know, there, there are no words to describe it. There's no way of explaining it. And he uses the, the most precious, beautiful things that we know of here, and he tries to give us at least some kind of a glimpse by, by putting before us those things that are just so gorgeous and beautiful and pure to us, and yet that doesn't even really begin. There's no way for us because, you know, it's, it's like you, you've heard me use the illustration before. You know, it's, we always have to. The only way that you can learn about something else is by comparing it to something that you do know. You'll never learn anything about something that you don't know. And so you've got to start where you are with what you do know. You know, like, you know, what's that, uh, what's that alligator taste like that you're eating? Well, it tastes kind of like chicken. <laughs> you know, the only way you can describe it is to try to think of something that you already know to compare it to. So heaven is compared to the most beautiful things that we have in this world. And the truth is, is that that inheritance, all that he's given for us, it's an eternal inheritance. It's an eternal redemption. It's an everlasting life. You see, God is the everlasting God. He offers this, this life that only he can give us to the believer in Christ. You cannot separate Jesus Christ in the Word. And I, and I know, folks, I know you probably get tired of me hunting on it. There's, there's, there's so many things today. And we can get so wrapped up. You know, I said before, you know, I, I love the songs you picked here. I love singing. 
I'm not very good at it, but I sure like bellowing it out there, at least like some of you. You find that I enjoy all of our fellowship and all of these things, but that's not what we're here for. That's not what it's all about. We can sing to the rafters. We can drink all the tea and coffee that our tummies will hold. We can, you know, talk to each other and smile with each other and laugh with each other. But in the end, you know, it's about us being established in Jesus Christ. And as a church, you know, if you really want to break it right down, we're here for two reasons. Two reasons. You and I, if you're a believer this evening, if you're here as an unbeliever, you're here for one reason, and that's to get saved. That's to get your sins forgiven. And you don't want to wait another moment. You don't want to wait another day because you're not promised another heartbeat. And if you don't know that with 100% absolute certainty, you need to know it now. So there's only one thing for you if you're lost. But if you're saved, we're here for two things. Because I know, I, I, know I, I haven't been able to really describe or explain eternity and that eternal inheritance, heaven. You know, I can't describe those things very much, but... But the truth is, is that, you know, we're every one of us. You know, I don't care how good your life is. I don't care how happy you are. I don't care what you're enjoying. You know, if it was just for your benefit and your benefit alone, God would take you out with the next heartbeat. You'd be far better off than you can even begin to imagine to be out of this world and into the next if you're a believer. But God hadn't taken you yet because I can still see you. Most of you are still breathing, I think. I haven't put most of you to sleep yet. The truth is, God still has you here for a reason. And I believe you. And you know all that I've tried to picture. You know, that's, that's what the church is about. It's not about buildings. It's not about all the programs. It's about people. It's about a body, the body of Jesus Christ. God has us here as individuals and he's doing it through his church, his body of, of, of believers joined together. He's got us here for two reasons. To give the gospel to every living, breathing soul that we possibly can. That we might be established in the faith as a church. We're here to establish Christians in the faith and to win souls to Christ. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, that's the end. In, in the, when it comes right down to it, that's the goal. But the only way that we can achieve that goal is to be as much like Christ as we can. For Christ to have a true hold of our lives, for him to be able to do through us what he wants to do, and you see, that's, that's, that's why, you know, he talks in other places about not being washed about by every wind of doctrine. The devil will try to discourage. He'll try to beat you down. He'll try to make you doubt. He'll try to do all these things. This evening, as your pastor and as a church, I want you to be established firm. I want you to be established so firm that whoever it is, whether it's the, the Muslims or the Mormons or anybody else that starts with any other letter of the alphabet comes to you, you know what you believe. You know who you are. You know why that what you have will last for all of eternity. We need to be established by God, by the power of God, according to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
according to the mysteries, the revelation of those mysteries of Christ in you, according, he says here, to the commandments of the everlasting God. You can try all you want. And I'm, I'm, of, I'm of no, I guess, false illusions that I know a lot of people like a lot of different things from what they call church. But I'm absolutely convinced with everything within me that the simple truth is you can't separate God's Word from Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. You see, the truth is Jesus Christ is the Word, and it's been preserved for you and I. And we're not going to be established by an established church or an established preacher or an established Christian. We're going to be established by God, by His power, according to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the mystery of revelation of Christ in you, according to the Scriptures, the Word of God. A lot of those other things might make you feel good. But if you want to be established... It's not by, and I'm not putting down, thank God for education, but all of man's education will never establish you. But God will, through his word, God wants you to be established today. He wants that for you. He wants you to, he wants you to be stable. He wants you to, to be firmly planted in His truths, where He wants you, with Christ working through you, and He will establish you. He will, but He'll only do it according to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll only do it according to the revelation of Christ, Christ in you. He'll only do it according to the Scriptures, the commandments, He says, of the everlasting God. They never change. You know, Men will try to destroy them, try to do away with them, try to water them down, try to do all kinds of things. But God's Word is God's Word. That should be the intent of each and every one of us and the intent of us as a church. You know, not to be approved by man, but to be approved by God. The offer that he makes through Christ, he says through the Word, is to those who exercise, he says here, the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. We sing the old song sometimes, trust and obey, for there really is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I wonder, I wonder this evening, you know, the thing is, we don't have to go about unsure. We don't have to go about trying to figure out, you know, well, does this guy know something that I don't know? You know, have they got, have they got something that I haven't? You can be established. This is God's Word. This is what He was wanting for the church at Rome. This is what He wants for our church. It's what He wants for you. Be established. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord, that, Lord, in a poor attempt of trying to Lord, to just get to the realization of, Lord, you want us to be established, to be firm, to be stable. Too many Christians today 
Lord, they're ineffective in their witness because, Lord, they're not established themselves. Lord, they may be knocked about by all these different winds of doctrines. Lord, they may be unsure of their own salvation. They're unsure of the things of God. Lord, we just pray. We just pray that you'd help us to realize and understand this evening, Lord, that we can be established. We can be firmly planted. We can, we can be set in a place to where that, Lord, nothing can knock us and nothing moves. We can be anchored to that rock that we sang about earlier. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, and I pray that you'd take these simple thoughts that could have been expounded so much more and help us to recognize that if we are going to be established, there is only one way. That's by you, by your power, according to the one and only gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the mystery of Christ, of Christ in each and every one of us as believers, according to the scriptures that you've given to us, that you've preserved for us, that we have here this evening. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Amen. 